For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. We are here to fuel your Rockets news. This is the Rockets Field Podcast presented by Clutch Fans. And it's an early Thursday morning, so that must mean one thing. That must mean the Rockets won a game. <laughs> the Rockets pulled out a victory last night over the Lucas Mavs, 101-92, and um, as the Rockets were able to pull away late uh, with a few clutch plays, something we rarely seen this year. So, uh, it must be a special occasion uh, for us to be recording this early in the morning, and it definitely is. The Rockets get their third win of the year. Uh, one of the most strangest games I've seen in a while from a Houston Rockets team uh, to where they only got up 22 three-point shots, um, almost made 50% of them, where 10 for 22, and had a total of 75 shots last night, which is just crazy considering the Mavericks had 55 three-point attempts. They almost had as many three-point attempts as the Rockets had two-point attempts. Of course, the uh, kind of the headline of the whole thing was Lucas set out last night. Unfortunately, the Rockets have turned into that rest team where teams starts to rest their stars against them. But at this point, when you came into the night only having two wins, I don't think you really care if uh, Dallas Mavericks trotted out the Washington Generals at this point. You just want wins. Uh, so the, the Rockets were perfectly fine with Luka not playing last night. And some stats that had absolutely nothing to do with whether Luka played or not. Uh, the Rockets out-rebounded the uh, Mavericks by a pretty significant margin. Uh, they shot 21-24 from three-point range. Still had a lot of turnovers, um, unfortunately. But this time they were actually able to get past those turnovers and get a win uh, with a couple of big baskets from Kevin Porter Jr. late. Um, the Rockets actually trailed in the second half. And a big reason they were able to come back um, late in the first half and into the third quarter was because of Uzma Garuba, who had probably one of his best games of his entire career uh, last night. He was just all over the court. He was blocking shots. He was making threes. Um, he, at, at one point, he made two threes in a row in, in the Rockets run in the third quarter. Um, he pretty much did everything exactly what I'm sure Rafael Stone was thinking when he drafted him uh, last year. And at this point, um, which is a whole other conversation for another time, but when Bruno Fernando eventually comes back, um, even though it's not really any certain time to have for him to come back yet, he's still out with injury. But when he comes back, when Jay Sean Tate comes back, because Tari Eason had another good game, KJ Martin had another good game, the Rockets going to have a really um, hard decision to make, even though for most of us it's not really a hard decision. But <laughs> they got to make some decisions pretty soon because the rotation is going to get even tighter. But about this game, Uzma Garuba, 
was a huge factor in last night's game, and he showed exactly why he should be getting rotation minutes no matter who the Rockets bring back from injury. Uh, before I get too deep into it, I want to give my co-host a chance to introduce himself. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Vader. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram at Vader underscore H-Town. Uh, but yeah, man, like what you were saying was spot on. Uh, I think last night was a statement game for the Houston Rockets. Uh, they sent a message to the NBA that like if you rest your stars against us, <laughs> we're going to beat you. Uh, no, but seriously, <laughs> they 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 put up a, a really good fight yesterday. And, you know, there were there were times where I was wondering how long it was going to last as far as, you know, can we close out the game? Because you saw it even even not the last game, but the game prior to that where it against I think it was against uh who they played right where they looked like they were gonna win. They went up they went up kind of big and they uh, uh New Orleans. New Orleans. Yeah. And uh I mean everything was looking good and then the wheels kind of fell off. But no, they closed it out. And I think a lot of that might have to do with the lineups. Um we have a very good lineup. Uh that lineup does not get as much minutes as some of the other lineups, but that Goon Squad lineup with, with Tari Eason in there and yeah, KJ yeah. and KJ, that lineup does work. Um I can't say enough about that lineup. We we probably need to have a whole show about like what works and what doesn't like what is the, what is that lineup doing that the other lineups are not able to do? Because when when they come in, they make a difference. It happened at the end of the first half when they came in. We were down, uh, and then suddenly we were back in the game and then we were up. It's something special about it. It, it does not look that great on paper. I mean, if you just look at it on paper, you know, it, 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 you may have some concerns about it and, and wonder if it yeah. actually fits. But like um, in reality, uh, it, it's one of those things where in theory, maybe it doesn't seem like it works, but in reality, it, it, it actually is amazing. So yeah. uh, I'm, I've been joking around about Garuba, you know, since the summer, because a lot of people were giving me a lot of like, you know, flack about me believing in him, but like he's making me look good right now. Like I, I'm, you know, I'm not a basketball savant by any means. You know, I'm a fan just like everybody else. But um, yeah, Uzman Garuba, like he 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 is uh, doing all the things that I said he could do as far as like setting screens, playing defense, rebounding, and he's been operating in the short roll. I'm pretty sure I could go back and find some stuff where I was talking about his passing out of the short roll is actually pretty pretty phenomenal for a big guy. Yeah. Now, it was, <clears throat> It was fun last night to hear Ryan Hollins like touch on that a little bit. Like you, you take that for granted, but when you can have a guy who um, can be like a, a safety pressure release valve for your guards when they're getting double teamed and when they're getting pressure, yeah. get the ball to that big guy and he can actually play mate, you have something special. And so, yeah, like athletically, there's a lot of stuff about Usman Garuba that just kind of looks funky and you just kind of wonder how he's, how, how he's getting it done. But like you can't argue with the results. I mean, that man had 12 points, uh, nine rebounds, three assists, three blocks. Yeah. Um, his his defense was stellar as as usual. His hustle his hustle is always there. His effort and energy is always there. Um, he, he, he and Tari Eason are just two guys who um, they just create havoc on the basketball floor, and, and you feel like they don't cheat you. They don't cheat the game. Yeah. It's, it's like when they come out of the game, you feel like they gave you everything they had. It may not always be pretty. It may not always be. It may not always, you know, result in, in W's, but I feel like you; those are two guys that you know. Like when you put those two guys in the game, you know what you're going to get. Um, Jabari had a he had a pretty good bounce back game. I know he did not shoot that well. I think he was three for ten. I'm not sure. I don't have the stats in front of me, but um, I think he was three for ten. But what really stood out to me was 
he played the type of defense that I think that we were hoping that we would see when 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 the Rockets drafted him. Right. He came into the league as a guy who, you know, we were told he was uh, he was ready to shoot threes and he was ready to play defense. And so far, mm-hmm. he's been kind of iffy on both both of those fronts. It's not because, you know, for a lack of trying, but like it seemed like last night he brought some of that frenetic energy that you kind of see from Tari and Usman. And I think that if he can continue to do that, I think a lot of the, you know, fire Silas stuff is going to like die down a little bit. I, I think people are, are actually like not only just frustrated with some of the things that they perceive or, or don't think that Silas is doing, but um, just the Jabari Smith Jr. situation. Like once when he starts actually looking like a, 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 you know, centerpiece cornerstone of the rebuild, I think that'll make give people a lot more relief. You know what I mean? I, th- I think just that whole Jabari Smith Jr. thing is is kind of like people are kind of concerned about it. But I think as far as him being able to shoot and him being, being able to defend, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in the in the category with a group of people who think I think those are things that he is going to be able to do over time for sure. You know, maybe some of the other aspects of his game that are really raw and rough around the edges. I don't know how those things are going to pan out, but I feel pretty confident in his defense and I feel pretty confident that eventually he'll be able to extend his range out to the NBA three point line and he'll be a knockdown shooter from there as well. Yeah, and I'm not worried about Jabari Smith at all because even if he shoots 30% for the rest of his career, he has a, he's going to be an elite defender regardless of what happened with the shot. Now, I don't think he's going to shoot 30% uh, for the rest of his career, but he's the type of player that, um, like I pointed out last night, he's never going to shoot his way off the court just because of the defense that he brings to the Rockets, a, a team that sorely needs defense. And, and speaking of defense, I don't want to bury the lead. I mean, this is probably some of the best, I know Luka wasn't there, and that makes a huge difference. But the Rockets got blown out by the Mavericks last year when Luka wasn't there because the, the Mavericks did the exact same thing last year. They rested Luka, and the Mavericks still blew the Rockets out easily last year without Luka. So at the end of the day, the Rockets played some of their best defense they played in the last two years. They had 19 hey, can, blocks. Do you, do, you think, do you think we can be the trap game team, LaShard? Like- <laughs> <laughs> hey, I think at this point Coach Silas will take that. <laughs> I think he'll be perfectly fine if 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 they could be the trap team to where uh they play Portland, Damian Lillard doesn't play, they play hell, they play OKC and, and Gilgis Alexander doesn't play. I, I think the Rockets would be perfectly fine if teams just decide, you know what, we can beat them without playing our our top two, three players. <laughs> and the Rockets would be perfectly fine being the trap game before the real game uh the uh, next time for uh whoever they play in Dallas or Portland, whoever. But I mean, it's definitely a possibility. I mean, but the Rockets had 19 blocks last night, which was one shy of their record of 20, which they got in 1984, Akeem's first year, uh, which, crazy enough, Akeem wasn't even the leading shot blocker that night. But uh, they were one short of that. They they had the second most blocks in the last 20 years. Uh, the only team that had more blocks than them in the last 20 years was the Los Angeles Lakers in uh, 2020. So, I mean, the Rockets played – extremely tough. They played hard defense. This type of defense they need to play knowing that they really don't have a a traditional shot blocker. They have a lot of athletic players that love to play weak side defense. It almost seemed like, for instance, Kevin Porter Jr. was trying to prove a point to Christian Wood last night because I've never seen Kevin Porter Jr. have so many uh, chase down uh, blocks uh, from behind. I mean, it, it was just crazy watching the Rockets um, get all these chase down blocks last night. Now you don't expect them to get 19 blocks or 10 blocks or whatever a game, but this is the type of defense they need to play because teams seem to always try to take advantage of, especially when Shane Goon's on the court, trying to put him in pick a roll because then the Rockets like to do a lot of drop coverage. So the Rockets definitely need 
that weak side help that they got from Jabari, basically from everybody. I think everybody had a that play last night. Probably had a, a block shot last night. So that was definitely encouraging to see because that's the type of defense that you need. You're going to win a lot more games if you play that type of defense than if you're trying to bank on shooting uh, 10 for 22 from three-point range like they did last night because we both know the Rockets aren't a knockdown three-point shooting team, but you can play good defense every single day. You should never have a day off playing defense. So that's what I've been more disappointed in than the actual offense is that they haven't played good defense majority of the year, and that's why they lost a lot of these close games because they couldn't stop anybody. But last night, whether it was the Mavericks coming off a back-to-back, which is possible, whether it was the Mavericks playing without Luka, that was definitely a part of it. By the end of the day, that had nothing to do with the Rockets' effort. The Rockets were actually putting out effort, and that's something I want to see every single night. I mean, going into the next game, I mean, I know a lot of people want them to continue to lose for Wimbyama, but at this point, hey, win as many games you can, let Brooklyn continue to lose because it looks like they're going to continue to lose, and just have some type of momentum going because I don't know about y'all, but I'm, I'm, I, I'm not a real fan of continually watching bad basketball or them losing every single night that just doesn't do anything for me especially after the third year of this so it'll just be nice to see them put some type of momentum together i'm not expecting them to go on a 15 game winning streak or anything crazy like that but at least put some type of momentum together where you actually look like a functioning team on the court and special defense last night they finally actually look like that and see, people, I keep hearing people say they want, you know, we want uh, Scoot, we want Wimby. Uh, we got to get in the, in the Wimby sweepstakes and all of that. So they want us to have the worst record. And I'm, and I'm constantly like, we don't have to have the worst record in the league, no. guys, in order to, like, have the best odds to get their first pick. You know, as yeah. long as you're, you know, a bottom three team, I think all of the odds are the same. If you're a bottom yeah, four 14%. team. Yeah, Yeah, I still think they're in there. And even if you're a bottom four team, I still think that they're pretty similar as far as, like, your, your chances of landing that first pick. So we don't have to be the worst, you know, dog crap team in the league every single year in order to and, – and so far it hasn't worked out for us that way anyways. We've been uh, the worst mm-hmm. team in the league two years in a row, and we ended up with the second pick and the third pick. So uh, being the worst team in the league, it's, it's not 1980, you know, 1984, where you're guaranteed <laughs> yeah. the first pick in the draft if you have the worst, you know, the worst record, you know, so – I think we kind of need to get away from that. We need to see some development. And, you know, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be fair. You know, I do see some development in the guys as far as, um, like, for Jalen Green, for example, um, his playmaking leap is real. Like, it's I think, amazing um, at this point, yeah. He had, he had a, he, he kind of ended the game a little bit uh, shaky. Uh, I think he was just kind of, like, moving a little too fast. You know, yeah. he's kind of leaving the ball behind, and he had a few, like, you know, careless uh, mistakes and turnovers uh, at the end of the contest yesterday. But as far as like him being able to, and I, I made this point, like we we kind of already knew that when Shingun is in the game with him, that Shingun frees uh, Jalen Green up a lot for like open shots. He knows how to hit him. He knows how to screen and and, and get screens up and then open. But now uh, we're starting to see Jalen like really look for Shingun and get Shingun easy opportunities. There was a few pick and rolls that they ran where he made a concerted effort to get Shingun the ball in an area where he could do something with it. And so, like, there, there's this really good synergy developing between them as far as being able to play off of one another. And I'm liking what I'm, what I'm seeing. And then, like, we, we talked about, uh, touched on a little bit earlier, that pick and pop that he ran with Jabari. We need to spam yeah. that. We need to do that over and over until somebody stops it. And, and you know, like, 
Jabari was hyped about that shot after he made that shot. You know, he went down the court and, you, you know, he when he shakes his head, I, I feel like he's kind of getting into the game a little bit more. He's, he's kind of fired up and getting, you know, and then he goes down on the other end and he makes these really crazy blocks that I didn't think that he was capable of. I mean, I knew he, he's a good perimeter defender, but he's showing that he's <laughs> weak, shot, weak side shot blocking. He's been really, really good at that. It's been kind of exceeding my expectations. And as far as the 19 blocks, you were right. Pretty much everybody who played got a block. The only person who played significant minutes that did not get a block was Eric Gordon. Um, Josh Christopher did not get a block, but he only played like four minutes. Like four minutes, and, I think. And EG only took nine shots, which was the less shots of anybody in the starting lineup. So I think a lot of Rockets fans would take that. Not because Absolutely. EG's a bad player, but because he just seemed like he was <clears throat> trying to get more other people involved, which I think that's what Rockets fans want. If he's going to be playing 20, 25, 30 minutes a game. And I think KPJ, you can see, like, when he came out, he had more balance to what he was trying to do. He was shaky, at, you know. Yeah, yeah he, was, he was shaky a little bit at times in the game, but that's to be expected. Um, but you could tell, like, his, his, his shot-to-pass ratio was kind of more in line with what you want to see. He looked like he – Well, let me, ask you, let me ask you real quick on KPJ before I forget. Um, towards the end of the game, it was a couple times Jalen actually had the ball and kind of just passed it off. Do you think KPJ is still really the closer on the team? Because I know it was a whole big thing, and I did ask Jalen Green about his fourth quarter shots. But do you think sometimes Jalen Green does kind of pass off on uh, on the on the ball a little bit in the fourth quarter? Maybe not necessarily that you know he's scared or anything like that, but maybe Kevin Porter Jr. is really still kind of the guy that that closes out a lot of these games. Well, not a lot because the Rockets don't win a lot of games, but he seems to be more aggressive. Up towards the end of game, just like we saw last night. I think Jalen still sees uh, KPJ as more yeah. of his e- more of his equal. Um, I know we as fans, we kind of want Jalen Green to assume that alpha role, but yeah. I think he even said himself, like when 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 KPJ is on the floor, he feels like they are to share the ball. Like he doesn't see himself as the first option when KPJ is on the floor. He sees himself, you know, he sees them as like one A one B. Whereas you, you see it, there's a definite uh, switch that flips when he's like sharing the backcourt with like, say, Deshaun Nix. When Deshaun Nix is in there, he, yeah, he, he's like, oh, you know, it's my show. I'm going to run it. Um, yeah. You know, I'm going to get, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the guy. But I think he respects K, KPJ so much. And I think that they have this this relationship where he he does take a backseat to him and probably he does. So so to the detriment of the team at times. And I, I don't think he even realizes that. And the reason I say that is not a slight to KPJ, but KPJ is a he's a he's a damn good on ball player, but he's yeah. even better off the ball. I mean, there were some times uh, in, yesterday where uh, Jalen Green initiated the offense, the ball moved great, and guess what? Sometimes it still ended up back in KPJ's hands, and he is a really really good knockdown spot up shooter. Uh, like I mentioned before, you know, he shot 48, over 48 percent on spot up three pointers last year. I think he's 43 percent for his career. And I think he's inching back up, you know, to that 50 percent area this year. Like yeah. it, it seems like an easy way to get really good offense is to play KPJ off the ball a little bit more. Let Jalen Green create something and find KPJ open at the three point line where he is. He's deadly. He's a sniper from there. And like I said, so this is not a slight to KPJ. I just think that you can utilize both of those guys better at times by just kind of diversifying with the attack a little bit because um, 
Jalen Green, like I said, we like I said earlier, like he's really showing, you know, like a free, like we got to live with the turnovers for now, guys. Let's let's just be honest. Yeah, uh, I mean, they both had what five turnovers last night. Yeah, yeah, so, but I mean, you, it's, that's just the way it is. <laughs> go, yeah, go back and look at like go back and look at any of these uh, uh, playmakers that are in the league right James now. James Harden, my God, James Harden. Remember and see, but it was all part of the learning process. You have yeah. to learn what works and what doesn't work. You have to learn, okay. Yeah, I can be creative in this situation, but, you know, the game is on the line. Maybe I need to be a little bit more conservative. It's just one of those things. The more you have the ball in your hands, I think the more um, the more reps you get, the more experience you game experience you get. So, like, I'm okay with some of Jalen Green's turnovers because he hasn't been put in a position to even playmate. Like, if you, even if you go back to high school. A lot of times, too, yeah. Yeah, you go back to high school. I mean, he's just this really super athletic guy who was just better and faster, and he could jump higher than everybody else. And he he would drop forty on you, right? He went right. to the G League. He didn't really handle the ball that much in G League. Um, he didn't really handle the ball that much last year. So, like, this is kind of new for him. I I think the fact that for four games in a row he has gotten over at least six assists per game that's crazy. That's crazy when yeah. you think about it because he is really growing right before our very eyes. And I think. We might have something special by the end of the season um, if he continues on this trajectory that he's on. Because um, any any true superstar player in the league, you can't just score. You can't just be a one dimensional player. Um, he's shown some some signs of being able to be a good one on one defender. He has to still get better at times as a as a um, team defender. But if he can add the playmaking aspect to to what he what we already know, he's probably going to be capable of doing as a scorer. You, that's when we're going to really get into some scary stuff with, with Jalen Green as far as, like, yeah. where do you put him? Yeah, because that's that's ultimately – that's another thing I was saying yesterday. We already know Jalen Green has the capability to lead the league in scoring one uh, one year or multiple years. We already know Jalen Green's going to be an all-star at some point. Um, but to be in the MVP conversation, you have to – like you said, you have to be able to be a facilitator, uh, be – one of the the main guys on your team that gets everybody else involved because that's when James Harden kind of takes the next step. Um, James Harden was always um, or became really a great scorer, but when he started really elevating himself from the top five, top three player, eventually MVP was because he was also one of the best facilitators in the league. Now, Jalen Green doesn't have to end up being James Harden as far as a facilitator, but when you start putting up five, six, seven assists a game, on top of your already elite scoring and being efficient from the field. And then let's not forget, he also has seven rebounds last night, something else he's starting to do more. I forgot more about that. I was going to bring that back up, too. Yeah. His, his rebound. Yeah. Like, if you look over at his rebounding over the past few games, that is way up as well. So, like, he's, exactly. he's playing an all-around game right now, and I love it. Yeah, I mean, exactly. So, once he starts doing the, the facilitate even more, and once the Rockets realize <laughs> that he is a facilitator, he is a he can't be a main ball handler on the court. That's when it's really going to unlock his game, and then that's really where he's going to start. In two three years from now, he's going to be an MVP conversation. Not just talking about him being an All Star, and that's like you said, that's when the Rockets know. I mean, the Rockets at this point have to know they got something special. But that's when the entire league's going to know how special Jalen Green is when he's consistently giving you seven assists a game and 30 points. I mean, that's when we start getting into James Harden territory. So I think that's what, to me, that's the biggest development so far this year for Jalen Green is the fact that we always thought he can be a good facilitator, but I didn't think it was going to start to happen this fast and this frequently. So I think that's the biggest jump for Jalen Green so far. And that, that says a lot for him 
that he was even willing to do that because a lot of guys, I mean, no, no disrespect to Anthony Edwards, but I can probably go look at his numbers and I can pretty much guarantee he's, he's not putting up six, seven assists a game with Minnesota. He's focusing more on his offense game, which is fine. And that's exactly what Jalen Green could have did. I mean, it's his second year. He could have just been like, okay, I'm going to go out there and take 30 shots. But he's actually taking the time to get his teammates involved. And I, I don't think Rafael Stone thought in a second year will be saying that Jalen Green is a facilitator. So, I mean, that's a definitely a big step forward for Jalen Green. And I, I'm actually more excited about that and the potential he has on defense, even more than scoring because we already know that he can score. But being able to be a facilitator, just having an all-around game already in his second year, I mean, that's that's a huge next step. And to me, ultimately, it really comes down to Jalen Green. Jalen Green development is more important than anything else right now. If you get that development from Jalen Green, to me, everything else falls into place. Free agents start wanting to come here more. He makes his teammates better. Whether it's the teammates he has now or uh, additional teammates he get in the future during free agency, everything revolves around Jalen Green. So if Jalen Green continues to take these steps throughout the year and in, into next year, he becomes even a, a better overall defender than every, everybody else around him is going to keep up with him because – we already know. Like you mentioned earlier, he sees himself as 1A and KPJ as 1B, but we already know this is Jalen Green's team. Everybody else just has to fit around him. And as far as his development, another thing that you that you mentioned yesterday that I thought was was spot on was his strength. Look look how much stronger he's gotten in one year. Exactly. It, it's uh it's crazy. Like he the the way he's able to absorb contact now and still uh finish, you know, on his drives. Um and, and that affects everything, even as a playmaker, because I, I even was saying this last year, it's going to be hard for him to like playmake when you're getting bumped off the ball. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you, yeah. you can't you can't really get to the spots you're trying to get to. You can't really play with a pace. You can't really play with control if you're not able to have enough strength to absorb some contact from these defensive players that are on you because they're going to start putting the best defenders on you because you're that good. And that's what we've seen this year. And I think a lot I think. You know, one sneaky thing that has kind of flown under the radar is Jalen Green is getting everybody's best defender now. And he made mention of it. Right. So, like, he went through, like, a little – you know, he didn't shoot great yesterday, but a lot of shots he missed, he got to where he wanted to get to. He took one yeah. really crazy shot, but, but like, he, on the other ones, he pretty <laughs> much got to where he wanted to get to. He just didn't make it. He went five for 15, which, you know, that's that's – I can live with that, but – especially yeah. considering like he contributed in other aspects of the game. But as far as like, like I was going back to his, his, him being able to uh, kind of control his pace a little bit more, that's all tied in like his core strength, his leg strength, you know, his upper body, you know, just being able to like those guys bump into you and you still be able to do something with the basketball other than turn it over and look at the ref and, and beg for a, a foul call. <laughs> yeah. So like, the Jalen Green leap is is real. Like it, you know. I keep saying it, but um, I'm I'm really excited to see what we're gonna see probably around Game 60 because yeah. I still think he's he's still like he's still filling out what he can do right now. Like he's doing stuff yeah. right now. Like you said, I did not think he was going to be able to consistently get us five or six assists per game. I think that's a given now. Like I, I, if he doesn't get five or six assists per game now, I think it is because he was not involved enough in the offense where he had the ball enough to do so because yeah. he, he's making some really good reads he's not turning the ball over like he he's turning the ball over but a lot of the stuff he's doing is just you could tell it's just lack of experience 
it's, it's not, not like, live ball turnovers right, where like, you know yeah, yeah. yeah exactly so like he has to be entrusted with the, with the ball like 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 and Silas has been giving him the ball like well, let's just I'm gonna be fair he's been giving him the ball he's been putting him in the position uh, I think last night in the fourth quarter I think we saw a little bit more effort of getting Jalen the ball Jalen was just kind of off at the tail end of the game I don't yeah, I don't know what happened I can tell the difference yeah. Yeah, but I could tell they were trying to get him the ball. So like, mm-hmm. and and like we mentioned earlier, like KPJ off the ball is the dynamic scorer. Like first and foremost, before he even was switched to a point guard, everybody already you know respected him as a scorer. So I, yeah. I just I just want that to be explored a little bit more. Um, praying, I don't know how this is going to happen, but Tari Eason just needs more minutes, man. Like <laughs> if you look at anything with, yeah. with Tari Eason's the advanced statistics and stuff like that, like. He just really jumps off the page for a rookie. You know, he 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 rebounds at a phenomenal rate. He just he's so active. He just makes so much stuff happen. He's just one of those guys. I I, I just gotta see more Tari Eason. And then yeah. like we said, Garuba, like when Fernando comes back, I know this is this is a, gonna be a hot button issue because somebody's getting <laughs> squeezed out of minutes. And I don't know how yeah. you see, I don't know how you see Garuba down. And I know there's still some stuff there that they want to see from Fernando, you know, maybe maybe that lob threat thing that they're trying to uh, get going with KPJ because I think they want to see him operate in the pick and roll and see how he can do with a lob threat because he seems like he seems like he plays pretty well with, with Bruno. But, yeah. my goodness, how do you see Garuba down, man, after after all the stuff he's been doing? Yeah, it's going to be tough. And, and like you said, we honestly just need a whole show just talking about the lineups that do well and the rotation the Rockets need to stick to the rest of this year because that's just a whole nother show by itself. It's just so much is going to go under that uh, to the end of the year. But before we wrap up the show, um, I want to talk about a little bit of the schedule real quick. Um, so they play the Pacers on Friday. Do the Rockets go into the Golden State game on a two-game win streak against a team that still hasn't won a road game? Is that possible? I, I think so. I think we – we have not a, now, you know, the Pacers aren't going to be an easy win. They they beat um, the Hornets last night, I think. So yeah, they have Ben Matherin, they have Ty, they have Tyree Halliburton. You yeah. know, they have they have legit, you know, NBA players with star potential, just like the Rockets do. And so, yeah. I, but I think the cool thing about that game is we are able to play another team that's probably more on our level. Same level, you know what yep. I mean? Yeah, because. Like we've been, our schedule has been so tough. It's it's kind of hard to evaluate <laughs> these guys, and you know, you know, and you know how it is. Just being in the position you are when you have, you know, when you when you have a platform, it's almost like yeah. there's th- there's certain things you think, and then there's certain things where you you, you kind of have to you kind of have <laughs> yeah. to like take take yourself off the ledge at times, and and yep. actually like look at the big picture. And so the big picture is we've had probably, if not the toughest schedule in the in the NBA, we've had one of the toughest schedules in. The oh, NBA. absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. there are games where we look we look decent and we just can't close. And then there are games like the that last Clippers game where you're just like, oh my god, the the sky's falling. Like, what are these dudes doing? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, the Pacers offer us a an opponent. I think more along the lines of where we are um, in our development as a team. So those are the games that I really like to watch, like like when we played Orlando, because I think that yeah. kind of gives us a, an idea of where we are. You know, is is yeah. is Silas's voice being heard? Are these guys uh, making the kind of um, improvement that we want to see them make? And so, like, I think the I think Friday is going to be a good game. I'm actually going to go to that game. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. I hope I hope we do win, and then I hope we go and beat the Golden State Warriors. They're kind of down right now. I watched a little <laughs> bit of the game last night, 
Um, oh, I don't yeah. know, man. Maybe that Draymond Green punch, you know, they tried to downplay it, but maybe it messed up some of the chemistry. I know they lost a few yeah. players and they're playing some young guys. Oh, and yeah, before we get out of here on that too, like people got to also understand we are playing one of the youngest lineups in the NBA. You don't win playing young players. Not, not, a, see, not, a, yeah. not a full Tyler. lineup of young players. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. We're playing a bunch yeah. of 19, 20, 21 year olds and yeah, they are talented, but you have to know how to play winning basketball in the NBA. It's not about how fast you are, how high you can jump, you know, all this other stuff. You have to know how to play. And so, like, yeah. that's one of the things that I think we as a fan base also need to take into consideration as we watch these games is because uh, we talked about it a little bit before. Like, why why aren't they teaching these guys to do this and why aren't they teaching these guys to do that? But, you know, it's experience. Experience is the best yeah. teacher, and that's what they need right now. Yeah, because <clears throat> real quick on that, I was going to say, like, Steve Kerr, you saw what happened with James Wiseman. James Wiseman was a, what, number two uh, yep. pick, yep. and he got sent down <clears throat> just because he wasn't performing the way they thought he should perform. And Steve Kerr is, I mean, whatever you think about Steve Kerr, he's won a lot of championships. So at some point, he knows he knew what he was doing, and he knows what he's doing. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of times, these young players, it takes time for them to develop. I don't care how high a draft pick they were. I don't care who it is. Uh, even the great Steve Kerr can get James Wiseman to do exactly what he wanted to do. Jonathan Kaminga is not even in their rotation. Now, is, yeah. it's a little bit different. They are, of course, the Golden State Warriors. But this year, they aren't exactly the same Golden State Warriors that we've seen in the past. And these young guys can't even get on the court. Um, but, but to your point about playing the teams like Indiana or Orlando, I'm the same way. I'm more excited to watch those games because those teams – the Rockets should be able to compete with. They should not be getting beat by 20 or 30 points. Um, hey, by double digits, by the Pacers and the Orlandos of the world. Those are the teams that if the Rockets can beat consistently this year, I think that most fans should be fine with the development because that means that the Rockets' young guys are developing exactly where they should compared to the other young guys in the league. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this game Friday. And then Sunday, honestly – if they beat Golden State, I I think that makes up for a lot of losses that the Rockets have had this year. Are, are we playing the Warriors um, at home? Before. Are yeah. we at home? So they played, yeah. So they play the Warriors at home. Um, the Warriors have uh, not won a road game this season. They they offer on the road after yeah. getting beat last night. Even though Steph Curry put up fifty points, so I guess that was like a what they used to say a James Harden empty stat game. I guess right, that was a right, empty yeah. stat Steph game. Curry's Steph Curry last night. <laughs> uh, maybe Steph Curry had come out with a uh, KD comment. Saying that, look who I'm playing oh, with. I'm that playing was with Clay Thompson. I'm playing with that. that's another <laughs> J. Ryan Green. Uh, that's a whole other story. Uh, we're going to wrap up the show today. Um, we'll definitely have another show coming up in the next couple of days. Uh, hopefully, maybe tomorrow or Saturday, one of the days coming up soon. Uh, we appreciate everybody that jumps on uh, yesterday. Rockets fans, enjoy the win. I know there's a lot of bad stuff going on with the Rockets, but just enjoy the win at least for one day. And, and let's not burn down Rockets Twitter for once. Uh, that that'll be a that'll be nice to see. Uh, we appreciate everybody that comes on every week that checks us out on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, wherever you check out your podcast. Make sure you join us for our next episode of the Rocket Field Podcast, presented by Clutch Fans. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.